coming soon to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Nolan. I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, the horrific Eggman monster, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Yep, I'm ready to go. Uh, Let's do Speed Racer this week. Yeah, I've been really excited to get to uh, Speed Racer for a while now. It's obviously with the extra weeks that we took from recording so that you could get that amazing Rocky Horror mashup episode done. I'm really excited for what I've got for Speed Racer this week. You know, it's, um, yeah, it was, it was probably one of our best episodes. I'm really instant classic. Instant classic. That's the phrase that got bandied around a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, one of us has to get out of it because one of us has to. <laughs> It's like we hit a time warp or something. <laughs> we can't, we couldn't just keep that yes anding that. Because no. <laughs> eventually we would just have to keep, we didn't actually have to do the speed racer one. Well, Madison, I think it's time that we hit that time warp again and go back to your pitch that if you will recall, as I'm sure the listeners do, I challenged you at the end of Christian Mingle 2 to provide us with a sequel or prequel of your choice to The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey, with the stipulation that it must be a crossover with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, I I remember. And I'm just going to say, everything on this episode is your fault. That's uh, You know what? I Well, you didn't have to write this pitch this way. No. No, I did. It, it's 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 your fault. Because honestly, after after writing one thing, rewriting it, and going through all my options, this ended up being the only option that it could have been. Uh, do you want to do reviews first, or do you want to do a synopsis of The Truman Show for those who may be unfamiliar? The Truman Show is classified as a satirical science film. Mm-hmm. And it's about a guy named Truman Burbank, who is a reality star, unbeknownst to himself. And basically, his whole life has been videotaped since his birth. And it's... I'm not sure how old he is in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like 30s, right? Probably. Yeah. I don't know if it ever goes into what the actual... how old he is. But he is just starting to catch on that his whole life is a reality show. Mm-hmm. And it's... Apparently a show that the whole world watches because it's like the the hottest shit that's on TV at the time. And its conception was by a man named Christoph, who is the director, who has this sort of God syndrome about him. And he is doing everything he can to keep Truman on the path that he wants him to and continue to live his life within this bubble studio that Truman spends all of his days in, surrounded by a bunch of extras who are all actors. Everyone in his life has been an actor. His mother, his best friend, his wife, his co-workers, the people who he buys papers from. He goes throughout this routine, and there's over... Is that the number of cameras in the... Yeah, I I don't remember. Yeah, it it was like in the thousands or something like that, including a camera that's on his button. Uh, that he doesn't know about. Obviously, in this movie, he kind of catches wind of it, and that's what the movie's about, is him figuring out that his whole life has been this fabrication, and it's his story of trying to escape. I just, I thought I was rewatching it, that, like, it seems weird that this show's been going for 30 years, and then in the span of, like, 
a month, so much shit just goes so wrong that he catches on. Like, randomly his car picks up the frequency of like the production crew and like a light falls in the middle of the street and like they they write it off as like a spaceship or something like jettisoned something like an airplane had to jettison something and blah 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 but it just was like they've been doing this for 30 years and then within a month like five different catastrophically bad things happen that basically give up the goat well and there's a point in the in the movie where everything really breaks bad and he is very determined to escape the little town he's mm-hmm. in because he knows something's up and he basically kidnaps his actor wife and tries to drive out of town and there is a nuclear plant uh, that <laughs> like has a leak yeah. and it blocks the road and he starts to run and try to get out of it and is chased by all the extras who catch him and arrest him and then take him back home and they did that and they thought like oh hey he still won't think anything's up (laughs) but towards the end of the movie uh he it looks like he's finally convinced that oh no his life isn't a reality show Mm -hmm. and he eventually ducks them uh, by knowing where one of the cameras is and fakes that he's asleep in his basement and he sneaks out and he ends up on a boat and sails to the edge of this huge studio to a door and he leaves and that's when the movie ends and of course he hits them with that great catchphrase that you uh you threw up a couple weeks ago yeah his catchphrase basically is when he's saying hi to people in the morning it's like in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night and then he does like a like i don't know that jim carrey laugh where he just kind of yeah. shuts his eyes <laughs> It's like, like exhales <laughs> very loud. Now, if we want to briefly go into the synopsis of a Rocky Just, Horror. You know what? Either watch it or read it, look it up yourself, because that is... I watched it last night again in preparation for this episode, thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do like a quick synopsis. And honestly, just watch it. I will say the plot of Rocky Horror is essential to my pitch. Okay. But like you said, it's kind of hard to go into... It's a cult classic. I just recommend going to watch it. It's base- basically these two people, Brad and Janet, uh, their car breaks down and they end up at this very spooky house that has a, a just a strange group of people throwing a party in there. One of them, Dr. Frankenfurter, played by Tim Curry, is the main guy. And he makes a man named Rocky, a very buff, handsome blonde man in very tight gold trunks. And... From there, there's, like, Frankenfurter seduces both Brad and Janet separately. Uh, He kills a character played by Meatloaf, the singer. It gets pretty wild, but... And then, at the end, it's revealed that Frankenfurter and his associates are aliens, and they leave... They kill Frankenfurter and leave in the house that's actually a ship, and Brad and Janet escape. Is that enough of the... I think, also, as it need be, you can chime in during your pitch of like this is what happens in the movie and that's a very uh concise uh synopsis which is enough for yeah. my movie I definitely think. go watch uh, it definitely go watch it it's a cult classic but uh there's also music in it there's a lot of songs i don't want to keep the audience in suspense for too long but i do think there's time for just a couple tomatoes to be squished <laughs> That's right, gang. Welcome back to another installment of Daddy's Tomatoes. Uh, our first squishing comes from Akil A, A-K-H-I-L, who gave this movie four and a half stars. Remembering the scenes of this movie will increase the influence of it on you. One of the best. End of review. I just like, 
Remembering the scenes of this movie will increase the influence of it on you. That sounds like a robot. Yeah. Like, or, or an alien. Or who... like the, the back of like a bottle of allergy medicine or whatever. Like, yeah. like a doctor prescribes me medicine and like on the back, the directions are like, remembering the scenes of this movie will increase the influence of it on you. Yeah. This one's a little stranger and I'm going to put my own kind of flavor on it. So forgive me. This forgive me, uh, Carlos S. If you're listening, wait, is it is this for Rocky Horror or is this for Truman? I'm sorry, these are Truman Show. Oh, got it, got it. I didn't look up Rocky Horror Picture Show reviews because one of the aspects. You know, there's a song in there that Tim Curry sings about being a su- sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania, and there's a lot of like cross dressing and stuff in the movie, which I'm not passing judgment on. I really didn't feel like I wanted to go through pages and pages of reviews for a movie where most of the reviews were probably going to end up being really transphobic and gross. So yeah. I stuck straight to Truman Show references. So Good plan. Carlos S., I'm putting my own flavor on this. If it's not what you intended, I apologize. But they gave it two and a half stars. The review begins, number 233, and then a hyphen, and then... <laughs> I have now seen this film a few times and still can't make my mind up whether it's great or just a big pile of Jim Carrey horse poo. Hmm? That's it? Yeah, that's it. So help them make up their mind, Madison. Hopefully they make up their mind. I can't make up my mind about that review. That's a good point. So is the review great or just a big pile of Carlos S. horse poo? I think it's the latter. Yeah, the I agree. One. I have two more. They're very quick. Louisa L., four stars. This funny is hilarious and so original. Love... Watching it the second time made me realize what they did to Truman was wrong. <laughs> like, I love that you can watch this movie once and not be like, this is really fucked up. Yeah. Be like, oh, yeah, Christoph's totally right. We should keep this guy captive. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? what's that dude complaining about? He has the perfect life in this bubble that he never gets to leave, where his best friend <laughs> is actually not his best friend yeah. and is honestly his great, like, the, the biggest... The thing about the the movie is I don't like Kristoff mm-hmm. for sure because he has this whole God complex thing, but he obviously has that complex and got other stuff going on. The right. best friend guy is just a dick. Oh, yeah. Everybody else in this movie is just an asshole. Yeah. And like, what are they fighting for? Like to live in this <laughs> shitty little town and like because they have to all live there, too. Right. There's no yeah. way everyone goes home when they when yeah, the, that's a... <laughs> the studio ends. Yeah, there's some world-building questions that are left just for, to the viewer's imagination in the Truman Show. This is the last review. It's the shortest one. Jeffrey P. gave this half a star. I don't want to talk about it. End of review. <laughs> <laughs> no one at no you don't you don't no one asked you to. Yeah, I know. Mean, like you to. actively came into it, this board to put this review and then just say I don't want to talk about it. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeffrey R. P. Is, that, is everything okay, Jeffrey R.? I mean, maybe, but Jeffrey P. is the one who wrote this review. Oh, Jeffrey P. Sorry. Jeffrey R. has got a whole other bag of problems that yeah. I don't want to talk about. A lot of baggage. A lot of baggage with <laughs> Jeffrey R. Do you think this is a King Dwarf 69? I think it's been a while since we've checked in with our good friend and movie review superstar, King Dwarf 69. Yeah. Cool. Uh, for any new listeners, basically, Madison and I come up with reviews under the guise of king dwarf 69 where the title we alternate word for word and then the review body of the review we alternate sentence for sentence so this is your rodeo today madison so i'll let you start us off with the title lovers of bubbles and mirrors can see both the sides and another side if they only open up some (laughs) 
delicious cans of sweet Pepsi. <laughs> Okay. Um, you want me to start the sentence, sure. or do you want to start? Go the ahead. Paul Giamatti has more hair in this movie than other movies. So does Jim Carrey. And a review. <laughs> How many stars? Five. Five stars. <laughs> okay. Boom. There it is. Man, be sure to check for that one on uh, Rotten Tomatoes under Kingdorf sixty nine. Uh, I know that I've been slacking and putting those reviews up. I think only the first review that we ever did as Kingdorf is currently on there, but I will try to get those up. Even though I've forgotten what the actual reviews were for any of the other movies. God. All right, Madison. It's done. It's time. We've bought you as much time as possible. All right. Lay it on me. Here we go. <laughs> I'm prepared. Are you, br- are you braced? Hold on. Um, okay. Okay. Hold on to your butt. So we open on a scene from the Truman Show, mm-hmm. from the movie, where he makes the space helmet on the mirror uh, with the bubbles and the foam. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. I'm starting to figure out where we got bubbles and mirrors from. It was like I was looking at a page that said bubbles and mirrors on it or something. Yeah. We didn't see Paul Giamatti. And... <laughs> All right. And the other dude laugh at, at this scene as they did in the first movie. We then see the door open, and then instead of Kristoff coming in, we see a shorter man dressed in a all-black getup. Mm-hmm. I imagine this person is played by Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Paul Giamatti says, Kurt, what the hell are you doing in Studio One? And Kurt says, where's Christoph? I've been calling him for hours. He's not in yet. Is there something wrong? And then he says, wrong, everything's wrong. We aren't nearly ready for tonight at Studio Two. Kurt then explains that he just doesn't think this is going to work, and there have been so many problems already, and he thinks this, the studio execs really should have thought out this diverse programming decision. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Christoph then enters the room and says, God, what is it now? Kurt explains to him. He starts freaking out. He's just saying all these words. And then Christoph says, I agree that the studio execs really should have thought this out, but they really wanted to test the waters with this real-life drama thing we got going on with Truman. He then asks what sort of problems that they have. Kurt says that the extras have all just walked out and that nobody is into this idea anymore after seeing all of the hullabaloo um, with Truman in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Only the principal cast remain. The person who plays Riff Raff, Magenta, Columbia, Dr. Scott, and then, of course, Tom. But Tom is another problem. Also, the carpenter hasn't arrived yet to lay down the tracks for Dr. <laughs> Scott's entrance scene in the second act. Christoph then grabs Kurt by the shoulders and tells him to calm down. This TV special is a classic haunted house story. They have hired some of the most highly trained improvisers in the business, and that if anything goes wrong, they will know what to do, or at least they'll keep everything straight as possible. Also, Studio 2 is the newest state that's... Also, state... Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Red, yellow, leather, leather. Yep. (laughs) That's how that goes. Also, Studio 2 is the newest state-of-the-art facility with every option imaginable. If anything goes wrong, you have the entire world at your disposal to adjust to the circumstances. And then Christoph lays down what is supposed to happen in the movie. Mm -hmm. He says it's simple. Bread and Janet's car will break down. Something that we have pre-orchestrated with a plant we have at the wedding they're attending. Uh Uh-huh. We will then tail them and set up roadblocks every way they try to go and then guide them into the studio. 
Then we turn on the storm for extra coverage. Shortly after, their car will break down, and they will seek shelter where? The only place they have seen in the last hour. The castle on the hill. This is so good. Hook, line, and sinker. Riff Raff and Magenta will then greet them and bring them into the house and take them into the party where a bunch of fancy dignitaries from all around the world will be waiting for their host, Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. That's another thing Kurt says, interrupting him. Mary Shelley's estate called, and they said they're pulling out their licensing deal after seeing all the Truman hubbub from the last few days. Says that uh, we're not a moral organization that they want to be affiliated with. Christoph scoffs and says, fine, we'll just use some derivative then. Say it's a parody. You you can figure that out, whatever you want to do with that. Then he continues. They would then await their host, Dr. Whatever you decide to come up with, who eventually arrives, and then enter our classically trained award-winning actor, Tom Salsa. Ass. He's an imposing, creepy sight in a mad scientist lab coat attire. He greets everybody, look, including Brad and Janet, and says that he will be able to assist them um, after the party. Then he makes his announcement that, that he has created a new thing, the next breed of man, and then he ushers them up to his lab to show them. We then cue the special effects, hit the room with lightning a few times, and then reveal the monster. It's going to be this horrific Frankenstein monsters type thing. The crowd applause. Brad and Janet are obviously horrified and try to run through the house scared. They can't get out. Riff Raff then tells them that the storm is too dangerous and they will have to wait till morning. During the night, the monster escapes, kills the doctor, and captures Janet. Brad naturally tries to save her and is assisted by Riff Raff and Magenta. They face off. Riff Raff electrocutes the monster on cue. And then uh, that causes a chain reaction for the house to explode. Brad and Janet escape. And Kurt says, all that sounds so simple, but we still got a big problem with Tom Salsa. (laughs) To put it simply, he's freaking the fuck out. Congratulations. Probably two other people in the world who get that Tom Salsa joke. (laughs) He's such an asshole. Oh my God. Okay, so I didn't want to solely the name of Tim Curry. (laughs) With my pitch. I like that we're, this is like episode 27, and we have dragged some really big name people down with us, but Tim Curry was a bridge too far. I had to save Tim Curry, so in my fictional world, uh, Tim Curry is played by a man named Tom Salso. Okay. As is everybody else. Uh, Like, everyone else has, like, slightly off-kilter names from their original names, which I don't really go into that much. Christoph says that he will handle uh, Tom Salsa's freakout. Kurt just needs to find, uh, figure out the extra problem. We need to have those people at the party. Mm-hmm. As they're heading out there, intercepted by the guy who plays Eddie in the film, Meatloaf in Rocky mm-hmm. Horror. But I decided, because I'm doing the slightly uh-huh. off names, that this dude's name is Goulash. <laughs> <laughs> You did this, Mike. I know. No, hey, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. Ba 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 ba. Mike's loving that. Yep. Through this scene, we learned that he was actually set to play Frankenfurter, but was passed along when Tom Salsa became interested. Mm-hmm. He then says that Salsa will never be able to handle the pressure of uh, improvising so much because he's a stage actor, which gives both Kurt and Kristoff pause. Kurt is about to respond to him, but Kristoff interrupts him and digs into Goulash and tells him that he is just jealous of uh, Tom Salsa and uh, that Goulash is an untalented hack who wouldn't be fit for playing a corpse on NYPD Blue. Damn. <laughs> and let alone a Kristoff production. He then tells him to get out of his sight. 
Kristoff's an asshole. That was established in the first I, movie. I, say, I don't. I don't know if it's too much of a stretch of the imagination that a guy who's been who gaslit somebody for thirty years in a dome city, uh, it's too far of a stretch of the imagination to think that they would be a dick to their extras. Kristoff walks away from him. Kurt then pats him on the back and says, "You know, maybe next time." <laughs> and as they walk away, we see Goulash's hand clench. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love that your your sequel idea so far, which is, and I love it. I am legitimately it's great. Was like, let's do a behind the music on the Rocky Horror Picture Show set in the Truman Show universe. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's great. Yeah, Christoph then enters a room where we see a very sweaty and nearly naked Tom Salsa sitting in the corner with a towel around his neck. He exclaims to Christoph that he just can't go on. He doesn't believe in this project and that it all just seems sort of like a gimmick. That it's impossible to make this role come out as the studio execs want him to. It may be easy for all the other people because they're highly trained improvisers, but he is not. Christoph stands him up and says, fuck the execs. You're Tom fucking Salsa. You were Prospero. You were Titus Andronicus. Not in the way Shakespeare imagined those characters to be, but you made it your own. Don't see this role as Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Was Tim Curry in The Tempest and um, Titus Andronicus? No, I made, I made okay. that up because I set him up sure. as like a classic. No, no that's great. Perfect. I just I'll, I was going to go like look up those renditions if they yeah, exist. Yeah, right. for sure. Go ahead then. Continue, please. Uh, wishful thinking. Because I'd, I'd watch the shit out of all of those. But anyway, Christoph then says, don't see this role as Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. We've seen that a thousand times before. Do something new. Do something bold. Do something that you want to do. Do something that speaks from within you. Be you. And then Tom also nods and he's like, okay, I can do it. Then we cut to Kurt. He was on the phone uh, Mm -hmm. calling in a favor to a local theater troupe that he's a part of. uh, And he's trying to find extras. Mm -hmm. They are currently doing a performance of Chicago and have a show that night. I just love it that I, I can almost see like I wish I wish that you had like a conspiracy board type wall behind you of like okay so how do I explain the doofy costumes oh maybe the extras are from Chicago like the way that you found it like as you went through the things like okay so now how do I explain this and then like like you, like just you solving the problems as they come up how to make this work is I'm loving it so what I had to do to do this is I had to look at Rocky Horror go backwards Look at it as like a Frankenstein monster story and write it that way. Sure. And then go back again and find in where I could empty into create complications in it. <laughs> Beautiful. I didn't mean to take away from it. Like take no, no. get away from it. I just I it's cracking me up about how imagining you like like basically what you just said of solving the problems in the only <laughs> way that you could get to because like I do that with my pitches sometimes of like okay this is what i want to do okay so how do i solve this problem how do i solve this problem and for you it was like fourfold problems of just going back and forth so the extra is from chicago so uh they're doing a performance of chicago and have a show tonight but can swing by after he tells them that that is an ideal but it'll work just as long as they get there in time he says don't worry about the lines and whatnot just wing it smile and nod and play along <laughs> he then exits the studio uh, uh studio one and gets in his car which is driving towards studio two mm-hmm. we see hunched over in the back seat goulash Uh oh. yeah so 
this is where my notes don't run out, okay. but are just little bullet points. Because the rest of the movie is just Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. But with like little things intermittent of like, why did this go wrong? Okay. <laughs> you know? Sure. So for the music, mm-hmm. uh, I have that goulash in- in- infiltrates the studio and hijacks the sound system. Okay. Um, where it was supposed to play originally like these ambient like haunted house effects that he uh, fixes it to play music instead, where he also sneaks on into the set. So when Eddie's character mm-hmm. makes his big entrance, um, that wasn't planned. And the whole uh, Tom Salsa thing, uh, just basically taking this whole project by the reins and being like, I'm going to do this how I want to do it. Sure. <laughs> which explains the outfit, which explains the demeanor, which explains like, oh, I'm the star of this. I'm going to dominate every scene. Eddie crashes it. And Tom Salsa during it uh, goes to method. Like, oh, no, not in my fucking movie. And he actually like hurts him. Like, Does he actually kill? <laughs> I don't think he actually kills him. And it's a small thing behind the scenes, but once Kurt's in his studio, mm-hmm. um, I have Thomas Hayden Church as being one of the operators because he's the other guy from Sideways. Who's Thomas Hayden Church? He's the other guy from Sideways. Okay. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> but Paul Giamatti's in that. Gotcha. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure he was also the bad guy in Happy Gilmore. Uh, no. That's... No? I mean, it's Shooter McGavin is the name of the villain. Yeah, I think he's played by him, isn't he? Christopher McDonald yeah. is the name of the guy who plays Shooter McGavin. Oh, Spider-Man 3, he's Sandman. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you know, Happy Gilmore, Spider-Man 3, get yeah. those mixed up all the time. He's mainly known for Sideways. <laughs> sure, okay. Oh, and Kurt asks Thomas Hayden Church to go pick up the costumes, mm-hmm. um, because once Kurt gets back to the studio, he finds out that the wardrobe person dropped out. So um, that's why all the extras are dressed in, like, basically these, like, weird tuxedos and the party hats. Yeah. Uh, So because he just goes to a party supply store and, like, gets whatever he can find. And also um, Columbia. Columbia's thing is, like, this sparkle number. Mm -hmm. And uh, Riff Raff's uh, thing is, I don't know, like, kind of a Igor Mm -hmm. type thing. Um, I also have a bit in here that they were trying to make Riff Raff's uh, hair more like wavy and like sort of hair metal-esque, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't work out. So now it's all stringy and, and coolish for Rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's in that like golden Speedo thing. Um, he says that he couldn't find a uh, actual like Frankenstein monster that they were all, all sold out. So um, and the wardrobe and makeup people aren't there anymore. So that was all he had when uh go ahead what if that's what he's wearing like he's in the makeup chair waiting for Mm -hmm. makeup and so he's wearing that because it's going to be a lot of like body makeup and no one shows up but he waits there and eventually they're like fuck he's on in like two seconds so they like just wrap him in a shitload of bandages and put him in the tank and that's why he's wearing the skimpy trunks is because originally it was for body paint and makeup They go for a mummy thing instead, and it doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. and then Frank or Frankfurter like pulls it all off. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a uh, Doctor Scott's entrance mm-hmm. scene, um, where uh, Frankenfurter hits the magnet mm-hmm. um, or whatever. I have that 
as part of the original movie mm-hmm. that they planned out, but the carpenter shows up and uh, Kurt like quickly draws. It's like, okay, I need the tracks to go here, here, and here, and then, but it's like quickly written, and the guy's like, okay, and then he does that. So that's why when when the tracks start, that he goes around like the entire house before. <laughs> Good, I love yeah. it. I love this movie. Yeah, and I think, like you said most of the movie is just them trying to find creative solutions to Tom Salsa, mm-hmm. like Shanghai and the, um, the whole set and everything. So I think that leads to the end. So they just keep adjusting and adjusting until they get to a point where they're like, okay, just get Brad and Janet out of the house and I'm going to like fucking launch this set. And then, uh, they hit the button. I like that the aliens angle is Kurt just like, okay, this is over. We got to stop this now. And, I think they got like alien costumes from the shop too. It's like, maybe we could do something with this. I don't know. <laughs> so what's the criminologist? What's his, the guy who they insert every so often, like he's telling this tale. I think um, maybe he at the beginning is supposed to be just like the storybook type, you know, like a Christmas carol, a guy reading mm-hmm. the book or gotcha. something. And then he's doing that. I don't know how to explain everything, you know? No, no, that's fine. Maybe they, (laughs) like, make him get weirder. Like, because there's the bit where he gets really into the time warp with dance, which I love. But, like, so maybe they're just like, listen, thanks for coming in on such short notice. Uh, But there have been some changes to the script. Yeah. Things that, like, I can't explain well Mm -hmm. are just a lot of the Brad and Janet stuff that happened in the movie. Because... Uh, Dr. Frankfurter like pretends to be the other and mm-hmm. tries to have sex with each both of them and Janet has sex with Rocky there, there's a lot of like controversy with a lot of that type stuff in the movie because mm-hmm. um, there deals with like some heavy topics of like consent and stuff sure. and whatnot and um, sort of like vir- virgin shaming sure. in um, the more culture of Rocky Horror. Mm. I didn't really touch on any of that because I, I don't know where to go yeah, with that. Yeah, I understand. But there are... Um, I actually found a really good article. Okay. If people want to read more about that stuff, um, they can go to them.com and search the blurring of we sexual... Can, we can link it in the show notes. Yeah. We'll link this article by Lindsay King Miller in the show notes mm-hmm. um, for anyone who wants to read more about that. Cool. Yeah, I could see that. Like, you could kind of play that off as just like show some of the beginnings of those scenes and then just cut to the control of like, what are they doing? Like, they're freaking yeah. out and they're trying to like, and don't really get into scripted, unscripted, etc. I mean, it seems like yeah. this point we're very deep into the unscripted territory. For sure. And it helps that Brad and Janet are, aren't actors. Like, they're just two people who got caught up in this. Yeah, that's basically all I got. I it was. Or no, never mind. That doesn't work. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what were you gonna say? No, I. It was a dumb. It was. I was gonna say that Brad and Janet could be two people who live because the way that they talk and act, it's almost like they're from the town in the Truman Show. And I was gonna say maybe that's the case, but all those people are actors. All those people are actors. So yeah, it doesn't work. But yeah, can you think of anything else to add? Any fun hijinks to explain away? Um, something? I don't. I don't know how to explain a lot of the show at the end. Right. Like with the statues. I was thinking maybe oh, like yeah. they I was thinking that maybe like it's creative cutting where they have the statues ready for some reason and then like uh, when they cut away they hit like a button and <laughs> those people go into like a uh like a shoot and then they quickly push the statue out into where they're standing. Yeah. But, um I mean an idea is that they were built for 
like costume fitting, but okay. I don't know if they would build that anatomically correct <laughs> statues of That's actors true. for costuming. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, I, I love this idea. There does come a point at the end where like explanation becomes difficult, where they're doing a lot of if, especially if it's like a live broadcast, yeah. which it sounds like it is. Yeah, it's uh, supposed to be. But yeah, and I imagine during this whole time. And why I timed it as in, like, the last night of the Truman Show mm-hmm. um, is because I imagine Kurt, he, he keeps trying to, like, get a hold of Kristoff, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be, like, on call just in case something happens. But he's busy dealing with the Truman Show stuff. So, like, Kurt is just, like, winging it. Like, What if? No, I guess not. That uh, that doesn't work. Never mind. Say it. Uh, no, I was because at the end of the Truman Show, there's these those two guys who are, like, parking attendants or cops or whatever that are watching the show and then it, the Truman show ends and they say like oh, I wonder what else is on and then that could be like lead into this could be on like after the Truman show or yeah. my thought was then it, it's not supposed to be live except they're set to start at this time and they have to do it live now because the Truman show's over and it's like no f- we need something <laughs> So you're live. Now it's live. Now it's done live. They were going to like well, film it and whatever. And so then they're less like frantic about some of the problems. Well, there's a good portion of like on the Truman show mm-hmm. where they cut the feed because right. they can't find Truman. So I could see like this is what's happening during that sure. time in the other show. Yeah, that works yeah. too. I can't explain a lot of the dance numbers. They're good improvisers. They're, they're good improvisers. Yeah, that that was my, my lead out. And they're also like surrounded by a bunch of like musical theater people. So. Yeah. I think that this is one of those where there's the element of suspension of disbelief is a point where you basically have to just be like, this movie is happening. And this is the, this is what's happening in the movie and it's whatever, because all the um, buy-in is already outrageous enough that if you start to be like, you know what, this is too far, then I don't know like how you could ever watch this movie. Yeah. And maybe this is like, so Truman Show, like, ending um, mm-hmm. while this is happening. I can imagine this, the Rocky Horror, sh- like, mm-hmm. show that they're doing, it, uh, this is what causes a bunch of lawsuits, and it, like, really, like, bankrupts <laughs> Christoph's sure. productions. Uh, I mean, the Tr- Truman's lawsuit alone is kind of yeah, bankrupt. Probably. Um, I also like the idea is uh, once uh, they do the launch and we pan outward, mm-hmm. we see a bunch of little other bubble studios. Sure. Like, it's like, wh- what fucking movies are going on in there, man? Yeah, that's what I was thinking with like, they're like desperately borrowing from those f- for Rocky Horror, like the spaceship and stuff they borrowed from something and the costumes. Well, I was trying to, I, I did a lot of like, because in the stage production of Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. there's a h- huge tap scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, where in the movie it's just a smaller one so I was like oh man I was trying to like maybe the people um, instead of doing Chicago they were doing Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. but Young Frankenstein didn't start until th- 2007 sure. on Broadway so yeah I, I think it's great this one I, I love it I <sighs> it's fucking something man it's something now I do have one minor critique it's yeah. not really a sequel to the Truman Show. It's kind of just a crossover spectacular of both. I mean... So challenge failed. I think sequels build the world of the original movie, right? I mean, Truman's not even really in this one. He is at the very beginning. 
I was gonna my at one point I thought you were gonna have the movie end with like Brown Janet outside the house, the ship takes off, and then Truman just like wanders out of the woods because the door he left actually leads into this that studio. After credit scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. Brad and Janet are like at a bus stop mm-hmm. and then they're just like all dirty and stuff from like the Yeah, in their under in their underpants. In their underpants, just waiting for the bus, and then Truman walks up, he's like, Hi. And then they're just they're just all waiting for the bus to like get the fuck out of this place. <laughs> I like that. There we go. I, I, I did something. I don't know if I did it, but I did something. So, Madison, the only question left is, what is the name of this masterpiece? What about the Rocky Horror Truman Show? All right. There you have it, fans. The Rocky Horror Truman Show. Or Rocky Horror Behind the Stilettos. Behind the Stilettos? <laughs> well, you have to decide, because I'm going to title the episode whatever you decide. I think Rocky Horror Truman Show. Then I guess that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. The people can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify now, and Stitcher. And everywhere else podcasts are found. Just uh, put put a message in a bottle, throw it into the podcast ocean, and we'll respond. Just take a little step to the left. You bastard. Put your hands on your hips and pelvic thrust into this audio experience you can find us on facebook and twitter <laughs> at the equalizers gmail equalizers at gmail.com instagram we are the underscore equalizers and i don't even well i can't even begin to fathom what the teaser for this week's gonna look like uh we did tell you it was coming so that's not as impressive if you figured it out rotten tomatoes you can find us at king dwarf one word 69 Special thanks on our theme, Rock Thing. Go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. We'd love it if you would rate and subscribe. Uh, It helps us, I guess, in the charts that we're, you know, climbing. Go to the review section. Put a review in. Yeah. Right now. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. We'll love you forever if you do it. So We'll owe you $50 if you do it. This is a bribe. <laughs> uh, Madison will owe you $50. I'm not legally bound by Madison's promise. Send all inquiries to, to michael.noel at gmail.com. Please don't. One, because that's not my email address. And if it is somebody else's email address, I don't want them getting a bunch of people asking them for $50. Google Michael Noel and just send $50 to anyone you find. Yeah. That's yeah. Do that. Just you don't. We won't pay you fifty dollars now. Just Google my name and anyone you find. Send them fifty dollars. I lost the bid a little bit. That's no, okay. What we were doing because right, I might get some fifty dollars. <laughs> uh, we're gonna start letting you guys know what the movies are coming up. Right now, we're kind of unsure of what next week's gonna be. So we might have a guest. We might not. Yeah. So. Uh, so it might be, it'll be a surprise next week, but after that, we're going to get, try to get on a firmer schedule. So stay tuned next week for a movie. So for the equalizers, I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. Cheese pizza to be continued. Also Columbia is everything in this movie.